0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's show, we're going to catch up on several Rockies minor league prospects who are heating up right now. A couple that we will definitely be seeing this year at Coors Field. Some we've seen already. Some who've yet to make their big league debut or yet to even be on the 40-man roster. We'll, of course, preview the Pittsburgh Pirates series that starts today in Pittsburgh Pirates did sweep the Rockies at home here Rockies have a little bit of revenge they're playing a lot better since the last time they faced those first place Pittsburgh Pirates and of course we will catch up with Danielle Allentuck from The Gazette really excited to talk with her a little bit about these uh these surging Colorado Rockies who are playing well they're playing better than 400 baseball but on the season they are at 400 at this point Let's get started with these prospects the first guy I want to talk about and I've, I've gotten uh, a reputation here. Here we are on Minor League Monday for being the Coco Montez guy. Maybe because I was one of the first to to really bring his name up and say, hey, we could have something here. And I think the Rockies absolutely do have something here. Uh, Coco Montez, he was already a Pacific Coast League Player of the Week once. Uh, He's first right now in hits in the Pacific Coast League, second in doubles. We know he led the Eastern League in doubles back in 2021, tied for third with uh, in, with most runs, fifth in total bases, tied for seventh in RBI. Does have a little bit more of a strikeout than you would like in his game, but uh, can play some second base. That's probably his best position. Rockies are basically platooning Alan Trejo and Harold Castro right now at second base. Can play third base really well. And he also has uh, a handful of games over at shortstop this year. So you like the potential for him to be uh, a competent backup shortstop. Rockies already have Alan Trejo, but going forward at least, Coco Montes could fill that void. So we could even see, I've talked with someone in the Rockies front office, we could even see him pick up an outfielder's mitt. So he could become that super utility guy. And I think Coco uh, would welcome that challenge. He just wants to play. That's it. He wants to be acknowledged. Uh, He wants an opportunity, and he's really deserved it for a while. And so I think we will see him debut at some point this year. Also down on the farm, a guy that we've seen, he was the starting third baseman for the Rockies on opening day this year in San Diego. That would be Elias Montero. Now, he is strictly a first-base DH type as... Rockies have kind of given up on him and have given an opportunity to somebody else to play some third base, which we'll talk about in a second. He had four hits, three RBI on Saturday uh, since his stint with Colorado, in which, um, or rather, excuse me, uh, he hit his seventh home run this past week is is, was the big headline, Uh, and he did it all in nine games, uh, including a two homer output. Uh, He's been phenomenal, and and during that span over nine games. 400 batting average, 1,000 slugging percentage with 19 RBI. So we'll see Montero again. Hopefully we might not have to wait until the trade deadline when someone like CJ Krohn uh, gets offloaded to another team. We'll get to see him sooner than that because he pretty much proved it last year that he's got nothing else to show down in AAA. He's got nothing else to learn offensively. He was basically third on the team last year in slugging percentage uh, as a rookie. So uh, he's, he's big league ready and uh, eventually the Rockies will open up first base and dh for him at some point during the season. Another guy who uh, unfortunately got sent down didn't really get the same opportunity that Montero did. That's of course Nolan Jones. Uh, he was 4 for 3 uh, or he he had 4 hits and 3 RBI on Saturday uh, since his that brief stint with Colorado where he came up he uh, didn't debut, but he came up. He was on the bench, learned how to use the showers, how to ride the bus, all of those things uh, the Rockies like uh, to teach their prospects. Uh, but he's been fantastic, 22 for 65 with eight extra base hits, 18 RBI over 16 games. He's basically top five or top 10 in all the major hitting categories, which we know the numbers can be inflated in the Pacific Coast League, but if you're comparing him to the other guys in that league, And he's in the top five, top ten. Obviously, he's doing something right. He's one of the best hitters there. Uh, He has been playing more games at third base. Played one game in center field just to get the feel for it. But he's playing more games over at third base now. So uh, we will definitely, I think, see him again probably very soon. Uh, We could see. I don't know if Ryan McMahon has been struggling with something uh, and just hasn't been speaking about it. It's trying to play through that. Could be the case. But Nolan Jones absolutely tearing things up there for the AAA a Albuquerque isotopes should also mention too that uh, before we went live Jonathan Daza it was announced uh, did slip through waivers so he's still a member of the Colorado Rockies he will be with the triple a Albuquerque Isotopes. so even though he got designated for assignment that just means he's knocked off the 40-man roster nobody claimed him the other 29 teams did not see him as a good fit as their fourth or fifth outfielder so Daza much like Ty Block, still remains with the organization. You hear, we got we to gotta see the venometer. Where is Zach Veen at right now? We know he was struggling early on in the year, but oh, he's a little bit happier right now. And I think that has a lot to do with his big night on Saturday night, where he went three for five and had himself six rbi was a triple shy of the cycle since returning from the injured list has been seven for 14 quick math that's a 500 batting average pretty good three doubles a triple seven rbi total since coming back off the il on sunday had two more hits two more rbi two more stolen bases in fact he's got nine so far with the yard goats here in double a and has the most stolen bases of anybody in the Eastern League who has not been caught so everyone there's been guys with more stolen bases but they've all been caught at least once Zach veen he's he's the thief he's he's gotten away with it each and every time also shout out to uh Vladimir restituyo 20 another 21 year old outfielder who is another one of those guys signed at like 16 years old plays in the Dominican Summer League for a year or two kind of takes a while to adjust and transition to playing baseball in America uh, and he's been Hitting really well, 337 batting average after Sunday's games, second in the Eastern League. One more guy worth mentioning here for the AA Yard Goats is a guy that I think we are going to see here at Coors Field at some point in 2023. He's a little bit more outside of the box since he is only in A and since he doesn't have a true position. That would be Hunter Goodman, uh, looking great with the MVP chain on. He had himself a nice walk off uh, during a two home run game on Thursday. 278 batting average, but eight homers, 28 RBI, most homer and RBI in that Eastern League where it is very hard to hit home runs, uh, very hard to drive in runs. Pitchers uh, definitely benefit from uh, a lot of those ballparks that are there. It's just cold up there in the Northeast for that uh, A League, Southern League, Texas League, a little bit more offensive-driven. But uh, he's another guy in top five, top ten, in so many different categories. I think he'll make his debut this season. Has played four games at catcher. That's where he was drafted out of the University of Memphis. He's played six games at first base. They've got him in the outfield a little bit, eight games in left field, also seven as DH. So an unfortunate trend here, because we're talking about Nolan Jones, we're talking about Ellie Harris, Montero, Hunter Goodman, guys who are maybe more first-base DH types than anything else. You can only have so many of those. You don't really want to clog up the DH spot. That is really a position in the lineup where you get a guy off his feet. Think about Elias Diaz, and you say, man— we, we got to keep him in the lineup. That's super important to keep him in the lineup, but he needs a day off behind the plate, man. The dude's a tank, but he's still just getting beat up back there. So you give him a day out from behind the plate, he can still DH. Hard to do that when uh, some of your top prospects, a lot of them that are really close to making their debut and contributing to the big league roster are also DHs high Spokane, a guy that has a lot of swagger. He had a lot of swagger coming out of that 2022 draft. Jordan Beck, looking fantastic in his Spokane Indians uniform, number 27. He has had four multi-hit games in a row going into Saturday, including seven home runs tied for most in the Northwest League. His 24 RBI, also most since April 21st over his last 13 games. 22 for 52. This is a guy that was only drafted last year, Skipped low A, went right up to high A along with teammate uh, Sterling Thompson, who's been fantastic. Sterling Thompson, 463 batting average, unreal, 18 RBI, tied for fourth most, throw in uh, five stolen bases there, uh, leads the Northwest League with a 1259 OPS, three homers, eight doubles. He's played 18 games at third base, a little bit in right field as well. Braxton Fulford, another guy deserves a bit of an honorable mention there in high A. a nice catching prospect that is, is going to continually get overlooked because of the presence of Drew Roma. But Braxton Fulford is definitely a name to keep an eye on. And Carson Palmquist doing a fantastic job uh, over four games started. Jackson Cox made his uh, professional debut on Sunday, second-round pick last year, 50th overall. Went three innings, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts, gave up two runs, uh, but not bad against the Stockton Ports team. Uh, for the Oakland Athletics, who their hitters basically average two years older than the 19-year-old Cox, so it was good to see him get the ball rolling. And Ryan Ritter is 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 rolling like no other. Uh, he was uh, he's going to be the the player of the month, uh, if not player of the week. Hit his seventh home run of the season already, most in the Cal League. 20 RBIs, tied for third most. Fourth round pick out of Kentucky last year. He's been fantastic. His teammate Blake Adams did get a. Uh, Did get California League Pitcher of the Month in April. So Blake Adams continues to pitch incredibly well over four starts. Of course, those are names you might not know. You know the Colorado Rockies, and those are the guys that you watch in AT&T Sportsnet. All those games you can see over at the DNVR Sports Bar uh, here on the corner of Colfax in York. It's where we've got our watch parties. It's where if you are a diehard, you get 15% off all your food and drink as well as 20% off all the gear at DNVR Locker, 20% off all of the takeovers that we had. We had a fantastic one against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Filled up the bus, all you can drink, Breck Brew on the bus, a food voucher, you get a free shirt. It's absolutely fantastic. Make sure you sign up and become a diehard today if you aren't already. You can also use code DNVR even if you're not a diehard. And you can use that over on shady rays where you buy one, get one free. They also have a lost and broken replacement policy. So if you happen to Susie, your glasses, as we've, uh, begun to call that, that means you lost your glasses. Yeah. You, a producer, super producer. You hear, have you ever broken your glasses before or not? Cause we, we need somebody who's broken it to name that. That part of the return policy on it. I actually have never broken sunglasses. Right, Lost so them many times. Broke them never. See, I, w- I wish we would have known that. Then we could have said, "We you don't want to, you hear your glasses. But if you do, you hear or you susie your glasses and you lose them or break them, never fear because they will go ahead and replace that. In fact, if you don't even like the glasses, they can go ahead and give you a full refund within 30 days. Go to the Park Meadows Mall. Uh, Try them on in person, buy two or more polarized glasses. Uh, You get them for 50% off. It's fantastic. It's the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people, and I'm sure more than 200,000 people, at least here in Colorado alone, have tried Breck Brew Avalanche Ale. Avs might be out of it, but you can pour one out for them with the Breck Brew and the Breck Brew Locator. That's where you go, breckbrew.com type in your area code and find where in your neighborhood that you can go ahead and pick up some Breck brew. Cause it's a Colorado company that you definitely should be supporting. Keep the money here in Colorado. It's made with hundred percent renewable energy and it is made with hundred percent Colorado ingredients. And, and really you hear, what would this show be without some more Colorado ingredients? That's why I've got to welcome in good friend in the press box does an amazing job covering the Colorado Rockies for the Gazette. It's none other than Danielle. We're going to let you um, maybe jump out, try calling back in and see if we can get the Wi-Fi to, to reset on that. But, yeah, that that's a fantastic article. We'll have to go ahead and link that uh, in, the, in the podcast description. So if you can jump out um, and jump back in. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, Monday's matchup, Kyle Freeland against Mitch Keller, and Mitch Keller's 3.32 ERA. He's a guy, high-round draft pick, uh, and, you know, was uh, – kind of took a while for, for it to come together, but he's, a, he's one of those legitimate, legitimate players uh, for the Pirates on Tuesday. Connor Siebold against TBA. I mean, I don't know if that's branding. Is that the guy's initials? No, of course, that uh, to be announced. We'll see what's going on with the Tuesday game, and maybe Connor Siebold can do it again, give the Rockies a little bit of length, five innings of competitive baseball. And on Wednesday, Antonio Sensatella makes his second start uh, on the road here in a row against uh, Rich Hill who's been a lot better since he pitched at Coors Field because all of a sudden, apparently, uh, he, he's he's now good again. All right, Danielle, your Wi-Fi is good again, which is great news. I
1: d- <laughs> turned it off from on on the phone. Try this. There we go.
0: That works. That works. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, we got the Rockies playing really well. You know, it seemed as if the loss of Herman Marquez, Tommy John surgery – you know, wins above replacement is essentially, you know, not a perfect math where you say, well, if you lose a guy, that's going to be a six war player, then that's going to be six more games. You're going to end up losing. Would you put the number at, at six, the loss of Hermen Marquez means probably add six more losses uh, onto whatever you were expecting. And does this current hot streak make you reconsider? Like maybe, you know, the pitching has been a lot better. Maybe they'll only lose three or four of those games that they probably were supposed to win. Uh, with Marquez in the lineup?
1: I think they've gotten lucky lately. I would not expect this level of play to continue. I don't expect them to go back to that bad stretch in April like they did. I think that they'll be somewhere in the middle, but they are going to struggle about Marquez, and I think the bigger test is going to be, and not to jinx anybody, but somebody's going to get injured. Another pitcher is going to end up on the I.L., even if it's just for 15 days, but... It just happens in a season or a pitcher is going to need to skip a start. It's just how baseball is. So that's when they're really going to be like, who do we go to now? Like they are already on their long reliever that they put back into the starting world. They don't exactly have anybody else to go to. All
0: right. If we're going to pile on with the jinxes, uh, we know the starting rotation has already had the unfortunate health luck with Marquez. Uh, I had to wait a while for Senzatella to get activated from his ACL injury last August. Noah Davis on the 15-day IL. I guess that those injuries are going to have to come from the bullpen, which has been incredibly health- healthy other than Danelson Lamet with his 12 ERA uh, and his bad back issue. So, you know, is there a correlation to that? Maybe. Nevertheless, the bullpen, you hope nobody gets hurt. But they've been taxed a lot. They've, they've had to step up in... in, in more games than you would like, especially a lot of, a lot of losing efforts, but they going into the season, I thought they would really be the strength of this team. That being said, it's, it's hard to be strong if, if you're coming into the game with losses, but uh, have you been, have you been impressed with, with how good the bullpen has been? And, and do you think, you know, they are being taxed and, and that, that could be the area where it does catch up with them a little bit?
1: I, in terms of tax, I worry about Jake Bird. I mean, he all of a sudden is throwing two to three innings every night. Like, I, I don't know where that came from, to be honest. Last year, he would throw like 15 innings a game and then be out for three days. Maybe he has more stamina. I don't think he has a starter pass, at least that I know of. And I don't think he threw this much in the minors. So he's the one guy I worry about in terms of that. Because I just feel like every night he's throwing like 40 pitches. I'm just like, I mean, he's been good. You nope. Know? Like, yeah. no concern about his pitching level, but more concerned about his arm. But they really have been a pleasant surprise. I mean, Brent Suter is so fun to watch. I mean, he's so fast. He's so precise with every movement that he does. He's been really cool. I mean, Justin Lawrence in the sweeper. I mean, you can't not mention him. Pierce mm-hmm. Johnson just, like, loves being in Colorado, and I think you see it in the way he's pitching. So I don't know if I expected them to be as good as they are. They've definitely been a very pleasant surprise for me.
0: Yeah, and, and we're not even mentioning Daniel Bard, who um, is still yet maybe you know, to really like, hit his stride, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, the, the bullpen's been been good. Yeah, I think – and Jake Bird right now, as you mentioned him, him going out and doing multiple innings, he's sort of the de facto second long reliever at this point, right, because Connor Seabold's now in the rotation. Uh, you did call up Peter Lambert, but who's the second long relief guy And now it's kind of been Jake Bird, you're right, going two innings, three innings, and and pitching his heart out as if it was Game 7 of the World Series. His enthusiasm has definitely been, uh, I think, contagious in in a lot of ways. It's good to see that. You know, Daniel Bard, before getting in the game on Sunday, you know, his previous outing, uh, he did hit a batter. He did throw a wild pitch. And didn't finish his inning, you know. uh, I did ask Bud about that that performance there uh, in the final game uh, on on Thursday that they were able to uh, to finish off with the sweep against the Brewers. Um, Is it is it gonna take you know really five outings in a row of of almost pristine baseball before you can really say that you know any of the anxiety or any of the wildness is or the yips are are gone from Daniel Bard because. Again, if you catch a glimpse of it from Thursday, you go, that was a glimpse. You'd rather there be nothing. Uh, any concern? Do we, is the concern level you know, high, low right now for Daniel Bard?
1: I don't have any. I'm not a baseball manager, though. But just from watching him, just seeing him all spring training to the World Baseball Classic, which I saw in person, to now, it's just he just seems like he is Daniel Bard again to me. Mm. All spring training training, you know, we were pretty concerned about him, but I think he's Daniel Bard to me now. He's talking like Daniel Bard again, acting like Daniel Bard. I would throw him out there and see what happens. I think he's the type of dude who, when every when he's right, both mind and body, he just needs, he can handle the situation and he just needs to be thrown into it. And that's how his confidence is going to come from.
0: Yeah, I, I have confidence that he's more of a swim guy than a sink guy, right? Um, I, don't, I don't think he throws a sinker. So uh, that makes sense. Now, um, you know, Rockies fans are, don't know what to make of this team, right? Because if they're bad, you go, well, yeah, they're bad. And then they play like they've been right. Eight and four again, over the last 12, they won three of the last four series, including two road series. When was the last time they won t- two road series before they won two at home? Right. That's, uh, that's pretty rare. That's for Rocky's uh, PR and communications department. Uh, if you're watching this, let's go. We need that in the game notes. Like we gotta, we gotta know that. Um, so I guess the kind of question is, this homestand coming up, and this series against the Pirates will be a, a nice little test. Maybe they can take one uh, out of the three in, in Pittsburgh. But coming back home on Friday against Pittsburgh, they've got 13 of their next 16 are at home. If they are gonna maybe make some kind of move. I don't think it's, it's to become a postseason contender, but at least a move to be that 500 baseball that they were hoping and wishing for in a best case scenario, do you think that the, the season in many ways, or at least playing 500 baseball, or maybe it's avoiding hundred losses. Is it all going to ride really here on the next like two, three weeks with 13 out of 16 home games?
1: In a normal year. Yes, but they're not playing that well at home. they like, I don't have the confidence to say. These next three weeks will impact the team for the rest of the season. I mean, lately they've been playing better on the road. Like I don't know who these road Rockies are, but they've looked really good these past two road series. So I'm I think that's a better question we can answer after these three games in Pittsburgh when we see how they look there. Playing against the same team that let's fr- like they destroyed them two weeks ago. So I'm very intrigued to see what the differences are this week. I'm pretty sure it's very similar pitching matchups. That's what they already saw this year. It's pretty much the same lineup except for Chris Owens. But you know the Rockies know Chris Owens. He used to play for them, so i I think this series will be more telling than the homestand.
0: And the Rockies avoid Drew Maggi, so I mean they don't have to deal with with that juice in the ballpark, which is nice. Have you? You've probably been to that ballpark in Pittsburgh, right? That's is that a, like top five no. in the country? Never.
1: I haven't been. I have been outside it. I. As a kid, took a picture in front of the media gate because I did that everywhere I went, but I've never been inside of it.
0: Wait a minute. Do you have like a scrapbook of yourself as a kid in front (laughs) of every media gate and then now as an adult?
1: No, but I am trying to take a picture in all 30 stadiums. I'm up to 16 so far.
0: Okay. No, you need a scrapbook of the before and after like she did it. She made it. That's fun. No, you don't like that?
1: They don't need to see that.
0: Oh, it's for you. It's. It doesn't have to be for anywhere else. Well, Elias Diaz is all all for the fans right now because the Rockies may have their first ever All Star catcher. Can you pinpoint anything uh, as as to what he's doing differently or where his successes come? I know he's kind of just taking one one game at a time, and you know the last year he he kind of got off to a slow start and. You know, struggled a little bit, I think, you know, because of the the contract he had gotten. But uh, is there anything in particular? He's, he's shown those glimpses, but putting it together right at the beginning of the season now for five weeks, it's been incredibly impressive watching Elias Diaz catch and also hit at the plate.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to see if he can carry this for the whole season. I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to carry this current hot streak the whole season because nobody can do that, not even the best players in baseball. But for him, I really do think it goes back to he put so much pressure on himself last year and he just he couldn't handle it. He wasn't happy. He wasn't having fun. And it sounds so simple, but like he's a happy dude. He's the most positive guy in that clubhouse. One of them. He always has a smile on his face, always saying hi to people. And for him, you know, from talking with him, it was just going back to having fun, taking that pressure off of himself and reminding himself like baseball is supposed to be fun. I'm good at baseball. Like, have a positive attitude. He's able to wash things off easier. And he's getting the confidence from, you know, being their best hitter. I think that can't be understated, the confidence that comes from being on a hot streak.
0: Yeah, he's he's an upbeat guy. If you ever go and, and watch the videos from spring training, he got a couple votes as, like, the silliest guy in the clubhouse, you know? And, like... He's also the scariest guy. Like, he's huge. Like, he's, he's a gigantic guy. He's amazing. Andrew in the chat, PNC is gorgeous, and the park is just swimming with historical Pirates references. Wait, you mean to say, like, they have, like, a team Hall of Fame? Is that allowed, Danielle? You you've been to you've might have been to maybe more ballparks than me. It's pretty close. Do other teams have, like, a, a uh, Hall of Fame where they, like, acknowledge their team history? Is this a thing? Do you know?
1: Do you know? I, I have to say yes. Other teams acknowledge their past. Yeah. On, yeah. A, on a more serious note, the Dodgers, I mean, fans may not like this, but they have the coolest display I've ever seen. It's down in the basement, it's on your way to the clubhouse. They have all the gold gloves, all the silver sluggers, all the like every award from their whole history, it's just lined up. And you just walk by it and it's just it's so cool.
0: That's amazing. No, I I didn't know that. I, I when I was at Kaufman Stadium like 15 years ago, they had a bunch of things on display like for fans and uh, and whatnot, and the Rockies have some of that up in like the suite level. You know, they have those display. But again, if you don't have money for something like that, and if it's the off season, like there's only 81 dates that you could possibly even go to see that. So uh, it would be nice. It's it's something that we're pushing for, and maybe one day, maybe the hundredth anniversary of the Rockies will get a Hall of Fame.
1: I I don't think we'll still be here, but you know, maybe one day.
0: <laughs> Wait, what do you mean by we? It's like like. <laughs> You, like, we're going to be dead or the team's going to have to have moved? Do you know something I don't, Danielle?
1: I mean, 70 years. I mean, I may be alive.
0: Oh, come on. That's a low blow. I'm,
1: what? I have a much better <laughs> chance of being alive. Than me? Yeah.
0: You know, come on, come on. You know I take good care of my health, so maybe you—you right. do have some things yeah, going in your favor. Yeah, but so do I. <laughs> it's the age difference thing. You're right. Yeah, I guess so. Folks, get get used to Danielle Allen talk because sh- I will be dying before her. And you know what? With that segue, check out American Raptors because <laughs> uh, have you ever gone to a rugby game? Have you been to Infinity Park down there in uh, in Glendale? It's a pretty pretty cool location. No. No, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's like, I I don't know a ton about rugby, but whenever I go and whenever I have friends who go down and uh, they get tickets on AmericanRaptors.com, like you can learn about the game. It's really fitting because all of the athletes, they're learning about the game too. Like they're baseball players, basketball Greco Roman wrestling, like they're learning the sport because not a lot of people will play rugby growing up. So uh, it's pretty neat. We've got a, a DNVR rugby podcast from Colton Strickler so you can learn all about rugby. He's got interviews with coaches and stuff like that. So stream the games online at American Raptors, get tickets there. It's fantastic. Look, if you don't want to uh, go to Coors Field, you can go to Infinity Park and go to AmericanRaptors.com to get your tickets. And if you want to get a, uh, a nice bite to eat, we need an illegal pizza closer to Coors Field. Because we like talking about places to go, and you're usually good, Danielle, about finding the new hot spots in the area. We need an Illegal Pete's closer to Coors Field because they do it right. Uh, It's delicious. Spring is here, and so we're talking patio beers. Maybe not when we're covering the game, but after the game, patio beers, burritos, beers, buddies. Illegal Pete's is where it at. They got refreshing 16 ounce beers for 15 bucks, five of them. Five of them. Five 16-ounce beers for 15 bucks. It's fantastic. Get the loaded burrito. Uh, absolutely delicious. Illegal Pete's. It's uh, the favorite burrito of Danielle Allentuck. Asterisk. We have to confirm that. We'll we'll delete the asterisk later. All right. Britton Doyle has been getting a chance to play with Giannis and Jonathan Daza, designated for assignment. But... Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show. He's back with the organization. Uh, are you surprised that nobody uh, you know, put in a waiver claim on Daza as like a fourth or fifth outfielder?
1: I am, but then I couldn't think of a team that would need him. So in that sense, no. I mean, I think he could have been picked up, put on a 40-man roster and an option. Oh, no, it can't be optioned. Excuse me. That was yeah. not an option. So I think the not having options, definitely like teams don't want that. Um, I also, I think a lot of teams see the same thing with the Rockies saw that he had high on-base percentage, but low RBIs, low OPS, low power potential. There's just not a ton that he can offer other teams.
0: Yeah, it's true. And, and the defense was one of his bigger calling cards coming up through the minors, uh, in addition to the high contact rate. But he struggled out there defensively. It seemed like the first couple series where there was a few times where he kind of maybe lost the the. The ball in the sun or the, the lights, whatever it was, uh, and in center field you, you can't can't be doing that really for for any team. And with Britton Doyle right there being able to play the, the same kind of capable defense, uh, chip in with the stolen base, yeah, the, his days were kind of numbered uh, on that front. Speaking of defense, uh, it's been a sore spot, but it definitely seems to have gotten. Uh, a lot better, you know, this happened last year when Stu uh, Stu Cole was uh, in charge uh, of the defense where they got off to that slow start. Then they picked up, they were fine. You saw Brendan Rodgers break out, get the Gold Glove Award, Ryan McMahons, you know, defensive metrics start to uh, have an uptick. They're kind of down again a little bit at the beginning of this year. Have you figured out, is there any explanation as to why we've got two years in a row where the defense has struggled and has taken maybe a month to really kind of, you know, gain its its footing?
1: So the only thing that I can put my finger on is that they made a pretty drastic change. You know, they went into the season with Montero as their starting third baseman. And then he was kind of the root of some of these problems. And they optioned him. And we can debate that probably for hours, whether he was worth being optioned or should have just been benched for a little bit to work on it. But moving Ryan McMahon back to third, having Tobar at short, and then having uh, Castro and Trejo split second. I think that that was an alignment that they maybe didn't practice a lot in spring. So when they started to do it in games, or if they did practice it, they hadn't done it in a couple of weeks because they had the other alignment for a while. So I think when they started to do it in games again, you know, they weren't used to each other. I think chemistry is a big thing. Mm. I mean, Casho had never played with any of these people before. Tovar had barely played with them. Trejo was going back and forth. I think it was only 50 games in a majors last year. So I think that it just took them some time to start to gel. And I really do think that, you know, good defense is contagious. I mean, Tovar is getting so much more confident out there. Ryan McMahon has found his putting at third again. We can talk about his performance at the plate a little later if you want, but that's obviously been less than ideal. But his defense has still been great, and he's the leader of that team. I think he's brought them together. I think that they've put in the extra work, and they just really – it all goes down to having that chemistry now.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense, and I think as easy as it is to say, "Hey, defense is defense, offense is offense," but if you're struggling at the plate, sometimes you do take that out there, and uh, when it rains, it pours, and it was like, it really was like a snowball effect where in that game where Montero made two errors, there was another one that was kind of close, uh, and there was one or two, you know, from other players, and it was just like this, you know, not a lackadaisical thing. It was just like, man, this you just get down. I think, and you're right, like they're they're finally gelling now. They're kind of clicking in, in a lot of ways. And I think Tovar has been at the, uh, at the front of that. And he's kind of been, been leading by example in so many ways and, uh, and doing it on, on the offensive side as well. Uh, you mentioned Ryan McMahon. He just, he seems to be striking out. He seems, you know, clueless to a degree, almost at the plate just a little bit and, um, two hits, I think since like April 29th. So just struggling in, in, in general and, you know obviously he had the position switch so you could put it on that and last year it was living up to the contract and then finally you know once once august hit and buddy kind of sat him down and talked with him and said it's over like your your numbers aren't going to be great this year just go out and play baseball and then you saw the numbers you know have a major uptick for the final 2 months um are we making excuses here for him or you know is is there maybe something else that's going on right now with him
1: I I think everybody's making excuses for him. I think he's just not playing well. And if you ask him, his answer is baseball is hard. And it is hard. But yeah. he is not new to the league anymore. He's what six year now, seven year. Can't do that math off the top of my head. But I just I'm starting to wonder if this just is who he is. If this is the type of player that he is, who's a really good defender, but Can't put it together at the plate. I mean, he's never eclipsed any hitting standards that make him into a good hitter in my mind. So I'm just starting to wonder, like, is this just the ceiling for Ryan McMahon, or is he one day finally going to eclipse it and show us who he is?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if uh, you know this this idea of you know making excuses, and again, you're you're trying to protect your guys and. You know, Kyle, Kyle Freeland will do it, and, and he'll say like, "No, it was on me. I, I, I didn't make my pitches," and we all know. Well, the defense really didn't help you out, and it could have been a lot better. You know, that the start where he gave up nine runs, seven earned runs, uh, after you know having thrown twelve and a third innings pitched to start the season without giving up a run. And so, you know, you, uh, there's times where you make excuses and protect people and you don't make excuses and take it upon yourself. Um, but I think you're right. I'm wondering if it's catching up this idea of, Hey, Ryan McMahon has another step to go. Ryan McMahon is, he's going to break out. He's going to break out when, that that was never really going to happen. And, and that's okay if he's that guy, but if he really believes that he has another step to break out, then again, that's going to be a lot of undue pressure uh, that he's going to put on himself because that's what everyone around him has been saying is like, no, you know what? You've got another step. You've got another level. And we could, you know, could see the best of Ryan McMahon. And if he's just going to be more consistent, I think that's fine. If he's a 24 RBI, uh, excuse me, 24 home run guy, 80 RBI kind of kind of player, you know, is that worth $16 million? You know, maybe to the Rockies he is, and that's okay. Um, but certainly, right now he's, you know, he's he's struggling in a bad way, and the team could definitely use his offense in the middle of the lineup.
1: And I think his high strikeout rate right now—I mean, last I checked, it was 37%, which was second in the league. But I think his high strikeout rate shows how frustrated he is, because he's smarter mm-hmm. than that. He knows better than that, and that just shows me like a little bit of desperation right there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zach Veen, we talked about him in the first segment. Starting to heat up. I know you and I were talking about this. When have you pinpointed a date? I feel like we need to have a pool in the press box where everyone gets a date or a weekend. When do you think Zach Veen will make his big league debut at the Rockies? Will it be 2023? And if so, you know what, what kind of dates, what month do you think we might see him?
1: Okay. If you asked me in spring training, it would have been by the all-star break without a question. Ooh. But I think his slow start, and there are a couple of reasons for his slow start. Um, the main one being his rest. He said it was bothering him for longer than he admitted. And, you know, it wasn't a huge deal, but it did just need a, a week uninjured list to quiet down. Um, but I think that was really impacting his hitting more than he was letting go. Um, and I think he was just a little bit, I mean, he's 21. He's a top prospect. You don't want to admit that you're injured when it's your probably your debut year which I think there was some of that in there too so my new answer is even though he's heating up now he still hasn't quite mastered the Eastern League and I think they're going to want him to have at least like one to two weeks in AAA just because it's kind of the Rockies don't love skipping levels like that so I my new answer is end of August
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's close to the timeline that, that I've got for that too. So I think, so I I think, you know, I've heard from some people within the organization, this idea that they like for their guys to struggle so that they can figure out how to get off the struggle bus. Uh, and so Veen is now doing that. So a couple weeks of of that kind of production, uh, it great. Send them up to, uh, to Albuquerque. Uh, and then, you know, I don't, Think you want him to to struggle and wait? Because uh, if he shows that he's ready up there, you know maybe he could force their hand earlier. But the Rockies continue to say that you know Zach will let us know when he's ready. So it's not going to be anything of you know again if if this 13 of 16 games at home goes really poorly, they get swept again by the Pirates, and you go all right, we're we're back to doing the 100 loss dance. Just call him up. Who cares? Let him get into that big league experience. That doesn't really do Zach any service, right? Like to get his butt kicked at the big league level like that. So. It's going to be when he is ready to do that. And now he's starting to show like, okay, I'm that guy now again at double A. Let's do it for a little bit more. Take the next step. And uh, slowly but surely he'll he'll be making that debut at some point this season.
1: I think also you have to remember it's been like four games that he's looked good for. So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here.
0: We are. We might be. Do you have any other uh, predictions for guys who might make their debut this year? I think Think some of the guys I had, call Kaufman, which you go, all right, they're going to need pitching, so he'll probably debut at some point. Riley Pint, he's already on the 40-man. That's a good story. Uh, I think he'll end up debuting. Coco Montez, uh, at some point, I, I think uh, he'll get an opportunity, probably over an Aaron chunk, And then kind of my wildcard guy that he started off the season doing it, um, and doing it really well is Hunter Goodman. He's kind of like my dark horse from down in AA. I think he might get an opportunity to make his debut. Have you pinpointed any guys who could either be a surprise debut or you know the Rockies might end up needing uh, a certain player, especially if they get active at the trade deadline, then we're going to be seeing a lot more guys make their major league debut. But who have you kind of uh, been targeting to, uh, to see at Coors Field for the first time?
1: So I think if Hunter Goodman debuts this year, it's not as a catcher. I think that they're kind of moving away from that for him. He's definitely a DH kind of outfield, first base, fill in dude. Um, I'm curious where they kind of line him up if he comes into in the big leagues. And I think him and Eloise Montero would kind of be vying for the same spot because they're really both just a DH. I mean, that's really where their strengths are. So that's one of that my eye on, but I'm not convinced that that would happen this year. Um, I agree with you Riley and I'm going to throw out another wild card that has an asterisk next to it because I haven't gotten an injury update in a while. But I would not be surprised if Willie McIver makes his debut this season. He looked really good in spring, and I think Brian Servin being optioned, it feels exactly like Dom Nunes being optioned last year does to me. It kind of signals to me that they're kind of, they've seen what Servin can do, and they're kind of done with him now. And it doesn't mean he won't come back up for a day or two, but I, I think that the new catcher is just kind of like a fill-in until the next prospect is ready. And Willie, really, when he's healthy, I think he's supposed to come back soonish, but I'm not positive on that. If he's healthy and if he can show, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up for like a couple weeks at the end of the year.
0: That's a good one. I like that one, right? He's, he's kind of become this forgotten guy because he started the year on the IL – the you know Albuquerque pitching staff struggling, so I think that's nice for Servin to go down there work with those guys. But but I like that, yeah. He, super upbeat guy. Like talk about a guy that's great to talk to, uh, just a positive guy. He knows this pitching staff, right? He knows these guys, not Freeland and Sensatell, the veteran guys, but he knows all these young guys and he's worked with them. So uh, I very much could could see something like that uh, end up happening uh, for him and and kind of biding some time until you know Drew was ready. Who. You know he's at Double A. He's in the same spot as Zach Veen, but catchers are totally different. They're a completely separate thing. Romo has a lot more to show, uh, I think, at the plate. So for Romo, even if you look and you say, "Hey, he's an Eastern League All Star by the end of the year," it still might be, it still might be a lot to say that he'll debut by the end of 2024. I think he might, but it, it might be that cup of coffee that you saw Bouchard and Tolia and all those guys last year. Um, just because it, it, it's just a lot harder for a catcher to to learn and get all the tools that they need to have to be ready for the big leagues.
1: And I, I will say this about really. I, I told him this in spring training and when I saw him at the end of last year. From where he was at the Futures game in 2021 to end of last year to spring training this year has just been like his improvements are insane. I mean, he is so much stronger. He looks completely different than he did at the Futures game. And that was less than two years ago now. He's really put on a lot of good weight, a lot of muscle. He is, his personality, he's kind of letting it out now. And I think that's really good for a catcher to have, to have that personality and be personable and be able to work with your pitcher as well. And he worked with them all spring training. He worked with him for the last two weeks of the season. Last year when he was up as sort of the taxi squad, bullpen catcher, helper dude. So, I mean, I've been impressed with him.
0: Can, can we confirm it? Did he get uh, bitten by like a rabid werewolf? Cause I think he's just turning into like teen wolf. Like he's turning into a wolf. He's got the beard. He's got the long hair. He's muscular. If you start Willie McIver behind the plate and it's a full moon game, he will go off and hit three home runs. That is a fact.
1: I'm not playing into that, but I will say him and Hunter Goodman, sometimes from the back, they are a little confusing.
0: You were the first one who said that at spring training, I think, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, they they do look identical," and they were mm-hmm. on the same wall. They were and they're on the like the wall.
1: same size, yeah, and they, I'm pretty sure they were next to each other.
0: Yeah, and they both rock the headband too.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll see.
0: That, that could be a nice little need bait some, and like, switch.
1: Distinct colors when they come up.
0: That's it. Sure. Well, I, I we we'll have to check on the Rogers twins in San Francisco if they're trying any shenanigans there. But the Rockies could have their own shenanigans with the. Uh, the, the Goodman-McIver twins. Uh, Danielle, go ahead and plug away. For anyone that doesn't know, the Gazette, I mean, is where it's at. Uh, all the articles are fantastic, so you need to make sure that you're, you're checking that out. But go ahead and plug plug away on uh, anything else on your end on social media and all that, Jazz.
1: Yeah, follow along. I'm on Twitter at D underscore Allen Tuck. I'm at the ballpark every day. Don't use the last week's example. I've had COVID. But we're all better now. I'll be back at the ballpark next week after a very exciting concert this weekend. Um, I have an MLB insider every Tuesday, which gives you all the fun tidbits, uh, behind the scenes of the team. This week, it's all about catchers and kind of explaining that weird decision they made of servant. So make sure you check that out tomorrow morning.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be the, one of the first ones reading it for sure. Uh, love your work. Appreciate it. Catch up with you at the ballpark as always. Uh, if you need to catch up with us on Twitter and social media at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D Lyons is where I'm at. And, uh, Danielle, I appreciate you giving us momentum, but unfortunately there's a saying in the baseball podcasting world. It's that your momentum is only as good as your next show. So of course we will talk to you tomorrow at 1 PM right here on the DNVR sports channel on YouTube.